This is Engage, a series for women in agribusiness from the Red River Farm Network. This series highlights leadership, career successes, and work-life priorities. The series presented by Ag Country Farm Credit Services and Corteva AgriScience. Joining is Ruhia Deardal Young, a regional technical field representative for BASF. Thanks for joining the Engage podcast today, Ruhia. Tell us a little bit more about your role at BASF. Kara, thanks so much for having me. Um, I am a regional technical field rep, and I have a really cool job. I have sort of a hybrid role where half of the time um, I'm a technical touch point for our sales force. Um, across the seven state regions, and the other half of the time I get to work uh, with research and development, and I contract field trials with universities and third-party researchers, so I kind of get to have uh, my feet in both worlds and in the research, but also in the, the business world as well. You did not grow up in agriculture, so it's a very interesting way to, to come about to work in ag, and what interests you most about working in, in the food sector? I think that agriculture is um, completely unique as far as an industry goes. Um, so, you know, I can't think of any other industry that is uh, 97% family owned. Um, so farms are oftentimes family owned and multi-generational enterprises. And I think that's such an, such an amazing sector. And um, so, I mean, for me, uh, I grew up in a really rural area in South Carolina. Like my closest neighbors were longhorn cattle that were used for, for breeding purposes uh, in a breeding program and um, Purdue chicken houses. So I definitely grew up in a very rural area. But uh, my mom was an Iranian immigrant um, to this country, and she came uh, right around 79 when the revolution happened in the country. And one of the things um, that was that was going on was that um, members of, of my religious community, the Baha'i faith, were being denied uh, higher education. So um, we, you know, my, my grandparents left with my, my mom as a young child and my uncle as a young child and um, lived in about a dozen different countries until settling in the States. Um, so I, I, you know, did not grow up with a farming background. My, uh, you know, my dad is, dad's American, but, um, we grew up on, you know, 45 acres. Uh, but when I graduated high school, um, I decided to move out to the Navajo reservation, um, to do a, a period of service. Um, and there was a school that was started by my namesake. Um, so when I just, four days after I graduated high school, I, packed stuff into an army duffel and got on the bus and, you know, rode from South Carolina to Arizona and showed up on the res and, um, you know, had a blast and learned a lot. And one of the things that kept coming back um, up uh, in my, in my interaction out there was the importance of food and nutrition to a population. So I guess I definitely didn't grow up on a farm and I kind of got into agriculture, I guess, from like a intellectual philosophical way but it's just been an amazing journey for me and um been just a wonderful field to be in. You were challenged at a young age to ask um and at least approach life and how do you best serve humanity. So how has this mantra or approach influenced your work in agriculture? Oh, it's a great question. Yeah, so humanity was was central to my upbringing and it was something that, you know, my parents really instilled in me and um 
as I've, you know, learned more and gotten more and more education and sort of really dove into this field, um, that idea of, of service is kind of translated into, I guess, I guess there are some philosophies that, that, that I have adopted, mainly that, you know, our farming practices uh, need to be uh, good stewards of the land. Um, we also need to make sure that, you know, our practices are, are growing enough kilocalories to ensure, you know, food security. And then uh, finally, that, you know, that they're economically viable for our, our producers. So I think kind of service has been a big underpinning of all of that sort of morphed into, I guess, those sort of three things have guided a lot of my career decisions and the way that I think about agriculture in general. What's been the biggest barrier in your career so far? I think that I have been extremely fortunate uh, to be presented with a lot of opportunities um, and being able to, to work really hard to capitalize on them. Um, I think I have, you know, there've been some sort of major challenges uh, going through grad school um, and having a lot of, you know, struggles with my, my, uh, family health and a lot of other things outside of life and, um, my academic life. And so I think one of those things for me has been, um, just figuring out kind of how to, how to work through things and put your head down and get stuff done. I remember, uh, you telling me that you were a mom when you got, was it your graduate and doctorate degrees? Yeah. Both of those. So how did you, (laughs) how did you prioritize your work, uh, away from home? And then, you know, when you weren't pursuing academia, how did you prioritize your time with family and, and getting other things done? Yeah, I think that that, I think that that is a, uh, is definitely something I don't, I, I don't know if I would call it barrier. So I try really hard, um, to not put things in silos in my head to say, well, this is work and this is life, but to think about this is just one reality. And if I have two things at odds, um, then I've kind of created a, a false choice for myself, like saying something like, I can't take care of my health because um, I am really busy, or saying I can't spend time with my family because I'm trying to advance my career, um, or those kinds of things. Like those are really false choices we make in our mind. And if you can, if I can, I find that if I can think about things and make sure that I fill my time with worthwhile things and I don't end up feeling as pulled in different directions. But let's be real. Um, I have a three-year-old child, and um, I was on the road uh, last year, like 32 weeks. And um, it was a new position. I had to get out and meet people. Um, but it is like, it's, it's, it's a real, it's a real talent, but I'm incredibly grateful to BASF. Um, I, I have an amazing employer and there's one thing, like, there's one thing to like hire women in field positions. And then there's another like thing that, how do we make sure that, um, that, that people can, can be whole people in their positions. And there have been a couple things that they've done specifically for me that uh, like really show like, you know, put your money where your mouth is. And, you know, I, we're launching a brand new insecticide in wheat. So I was based in Fargo and I pitched this idea to my boss at BASF. I was like, listen, I'm having a really hard time spending this much time away from home. Do you think that uh, you guys could support me to, you know, bring my uh, camper out west and have my husband and my son and my dog come stay out 
in uh, the Pacific Northwest uh, and, you know, me be able to be local out there. And they were all on board, you know, like COVID happened and it didn't end up going. But I mean, it's one of those things that it's uh, I, I definitely am a part of a really great institution in terms of like making sure that, you know, I can I can be a mom and succeed in my career and support my customers and um, do all these things. And so much of that is, um, you know, making sure that, that the, the, the business is, is, um, you know, supporting us is more than just uh, your job function, but allowing us to be human beings as well. As far as like in interviews go, like very small things can cue you into like what's maybe a deeper cultural thing. Um, so I had a position before where um, I uh, had a, a professor actually ask me like, you know, well, what what's your family planning situation? And I mean, that's not something that you're supposed to ask, but it was just a very small like inkling of something. And the situation ended up being a really rough one, but um, I kind of gritted my teeth and um, I ended up, you know, finding some amazing allies in the department that came out to bat for me and make sure that I graduate and I got everything done that I needed to do. But I think that um, I think that I, I keep in very close contact with my grandmother. I have one grandmother still living uh, Annette Young, and she, um, you know, grew up on a cotton farm during the Great Depression and put herself through chiropractic school and actually uh, was the first woman to serve on the South Carolina Board of Chiropractors. So my grandmother had a graduate degree, right? And on my mom's side, my other grandmother also had a graduate degree um, in, in library science, and she was very um, well paid at the Iranian embassy because she spoke five different languages. Like, so I come from a line of women that um, are that have definitely broken a lot of barriers and have forged the way in that generation. Um, and now I am so very grateful that, you know, the more that I look around, there are a lot more women in the room. Um, and representation is very important. Um, but I, I kind of think that we have a responsibility, um, to, to view the men around us as, as allies and to, um, address issues when they come up and to, um, you know, just be very forthright in situations. Um, and again, it's like, if I, I think we, we just have to, uh, be very grateful for, where we've come from um, and the, the, the generation of women that have put us here and now that we're in the room uh, to make the very best of it. Are there any women in the ag industry that you really admire that you look to and you're like, man, she really is kicking butt and taking names? I just got off the phone um, with one of my one of my favorite um, women I work with, Kat Salois, who's the director of research there um, in McGregor in the Pacific Northwest. They think she's absolutely amazing. Um, and uh, there's a ton of female professors that I really admire. Um, uh, big venture mine, Rebecca Darnell down in University of Florida. Um, there's some awesome women that I had the pleasure of working with at the biotech incubator um, there in Florida. And there's, I mean, I think it's, I think it's really cool that, uh, you know, I, you can make a great big list of all these, these women and that, I hope that we're coming to the point when it's just something that's more normal and that we 
we figure out um, we figure out a way that that we can exist as women in these spaces because I think I was recently read uh, Jennifer Pomeranie's Dear Madam President and she um, had this quote in there was the book was an open letter to the first female president and she had a quote in there that was like we have no idea um, I'm paraphrasing because I'm terrible with that but we she says, we have no idea what we're depriving the workplace of um, if we as women continue to just exist in a niche that men created for us. I think for me, I realized that in that I was, I was, I guess maybe projecting some image of myself that I thought would be acceptable in the very male dominated environment instead of just trying to think of like genuinely how would Ruhia do this job like how would I respond to it not you know painting a picture of myself to that I thought would be okay and so that idea of just like consciously being yourself allows everybody else around you to kind of relax and go with it and um, I feel, you know, incredibly grateful to be a part of a team that is very accepting and very uh, accommodating and, you know, encourages a lot of different contributions. What's the significance of having a, a strong support system at home um, and, and around people you love and, and hang out with? For me, it's huge. It's so, so huge. Um, so I, uh, am really blessed that I married somebody, uh, my husband, I married my husband, Mitch nine years ago. Um, and, uh, I married him when I was pretty young. Um, I was 23 when we got married, um, just right out of college. And, uh, it, there are so many critical junctures in my life that I could have, uh, you know, just kept working and not go do a master's or just keep working and not go back to do the PhD or find a research job and don't go into this really um, demanding role that I'm in right now. But at every juncture, he's encouraged me to, to just pursue it and to be excellent at it and to excel. And it's one thing, like, I think encouragement, we think, oh, good job. But it's also sometimes a kick in the pants, like, hey, you're going to regret this or not letting me quit something because it was too hard. So I think that I've been really blessed to have an amazing partner. Um, I also, you know, have a wonderful family. And, um, you know, when I was doing my PhD, I uh, had, uh, you know, finished my qualifying exams and then I had a baby, which is just a huge change in, in your life and in your mental state and all of that. Just so many, so many ripple effects, wonderful ripple effects that, that having a kid brings into life. Um, so I had a baby and I found this one year um, master's of agribusiness in the Department of Food and Resource Economics at University of Florida. And I wanted to go do it. And so um, my in-laws moved in with us. And they took care of me and they took care of my child and they, we bought a trailer and they lived out back at our house. And it was this like amazing intergenerational thing. And it really, for me, started me thinking more and more like in America, it's very common for us to rate our, our success by like how independent we can be for our, from our families. 
So, you know, I didn't have to ask for money or I got, I moved away and I made it on my own. But this intergenerational thing, I think for me has been really one of those huge reasons that I feel like I've been able to, to have it all, to have a family and have a home, to have degrees, have this job opportunities and all of these professional things, because I have a supportive family that, um, you know, is allowing me to pursue all of these things and, and still, you know, be a mom and be all these different things. So I feel, I feel very incredibly blessed and supported. You also ex- have expressed dislike for the phrase that you're really busy. What's a better yeah. phrase and why? <laughs> yeah, so I don't like busy because it's just, it's scattered and it's all of these different things. Um, but I like to say that my time is really full um, it's very full of uh, work obligations. It's very full of friends. It's very full of um, family time and, you know, full of trying to trying to keep my house in order and all these different things. Um, and I've, I've sort of filled my time with things that I think are worthwhile. Um, and I, I, I don't know, the, the busy phrase for me is a very negative connotation as opposed to, you know, I, I, I'm living a, a really full life. I really prefer that that term instead. What advice would you give the next generation of women STEM leaders in agriculture? Don't choose not to do something because you think it'll be too hard. Um, and also, don't ever um, don't ever ask, say, "Well, when am I ever going to use this?" Because you just have no idea. If someone, when I was in college, told me, "Hey, Rukia." Um, you're going to be working in, in technical sales uh, for, for a big agrochemical company. I probably would have laughed at you because um, that was not at all the career path that I was on. It just wasn't. Um, but I, I tried to keep myself open and to learn all that I could about everything that I could. And I think it really has served me well. So I would say just keep yourself, keep yourself open um, and just work really hard and also, um, that whatever you're going to do and anything that's worth doing is going to require some grit, um, and sticking out and getting it done, uh, not getting distracted. And, um, also there's, I don't think there's anything more gratifying than, uh, standing and looking back and being like, man, I did that. I finished my PhD. I wrote that paper. Um, I got that job or I, I, you know, whatever it was, whatever that major accomplishment that took a lot of work. I think that that's one of the absolute sweetest, sweetest things is putting in work into something and, and watching it come to fruition. So once again, we've been visiting with BASF Regional Technical Field Representative Ruhia Deardall Young. Engage, a series for women in agribusiness, is presented by Ag Country Farm Credit Services and Corteva AgriScience. Check out more episodes by visiting rrfn.com or anywhere you get your podcasts.